Hey, everybody. Welcome to Babs Buzz. I was thinking about actually beating out the show to Blake Snyder's beat sheet, and I came darn close to it, but I, I, uh, I deviated a little bit from the roadmap that I set for myself. But the reason why I did that is because Michael writes Babs Talks Soup to Nuts about uh, screenwriting, which I thought was kind of clever because there's so many courses in between soup and nuts. If you really go to a a restaurant like the kitchen in Sacramento, of course, I can't afford that place. But um, if you go to a place like that, you don't you basically tell them what you're allergic to and they feed you. They don't tell you what you're getting. And you sit down and you get an appetizer. and you get. So I was going to beat the show out to Blake Snyder's beach. Sheet and I came pretty close. So I'm sitting in Celestino's having a slice of pizza because I love their pizza. It's New York pizza in California. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating them. I go, I'm, I'm going to beat out the show. I came close. I came really, really close. But I may actually write it out for you guys and send it to Michael so you could see how close I came. Um, I did want to get you some of the latest stuff with regards to our websites. Um, Debbie Scott was nice enough to update it slightly for us. I have to tell you this. I've gotten complaints about the website. To be honest, I don't want a really nice website. I know that sounds counterintuitive. And um, the show goes about 35, 40 minutes. I hope we cover everything. I think we will. It sounds counterintuitive, really, to have a, a very pedestrian website. Um, the website looks really good, silverbatellaagency.com. It looks lovely. I don't really want something that's all racy and hip and edgy and, you know, aliens and space modules and all that stuff because I get so many pitches as it is. None of them I can use. It just seems to me that less is more. But I will point out to you that you're stuck with me because I put Simply Scripts on the site. So the link is there. It's under Final Thoughts. And uh, so now you have me ad nauseum. We also have a live Twitter feed there and an IMDB link, which is very cool. To me, it gives you everything you really need to know about pitching us. Um, it's amazing how much our business model has had to change because of, number one, the strike. Number two, the threat of the second strike. And number three, what's going on with packaging, which I'll get to in a minute. Once again, kudos to Ryan Lee. Woohoo! He delivers. And on this earth, I do not know why he's not sold. I'm sorry. He writes great little indie pieces, very riveting, great little stories. They work. They fire. They're a director's dream. They're a beginning actor's freaking cool whip. I mean, they just work, you know? It's the guy's got it. He just, he's got a really good voice. He sent me a script called Blood Bayou. And the way he worked the title into the script was so clever. Loved it, Ryan. So uh, props to you. Once again, Pia delivers. I saw her trailers. You guys have seen them already. I'm so excited. I think Blackout's going to be really kind of cool. Um, her work is very crisp. It's interesting. And a lot of her work has a lot of mystery to it, which I really like. Pia um, has the right attitude. She she never thinks she's really, you know, getting there as as close as she is and she's past where she thinks she is so in other words her ego hasn't dominated the art form for her quite yet and hopefully that'll never happen so good on you pia nice work uh i have a book i'm going to recommend um i'm not preaching to you uh i think you guys know me you know i'm a christian you know that that that's my bent but this book really will get you through the desert so i'm calling this book getting you through the desert corner this book is called Sacred Romance. It's very much for a believer what um, the artist's way, which is good for everyone, by the way. The artist's way is wonderful. Sacred Romance is very, very good to read. I don't care if you believe in God or not. It's an exceptional book 
because it speaks to love and the dream of your heart. Okay. Um, in the dialogue help corner, I got a lot of scripts this time around and Michael pointed out to me that a lot of folks are not used to dealing with an agent. That's good on you, Michael, and very compassionate of you. Please forgive me if I seem very quick in my responses to you. It's just because of time. But most of the stuff speaks to dialogue and editing, which I'm going to talk about today at length in the show. So in the dialogue help corner, if you want to hear how feds and cops and criminals talk, you should read anything by Michael Connolly or Lee Ryder, because what you learn from them is a lot. You'll get a real sense of tone and voice and really a good, you'll get a really good footing for your character so they don't sound cliche or melodramatic. The scripts I've been seeing lately are just too wordy. You have to edit them. Dina did a great job with her script, Doggone. If she can get it to a PG-13 rating, I would love to try and get that to television. Scripts, just, it's just funny. It's really, really good. So good job, Dina. Outstanding, Dina. And I think her partner's name is Ken. Forgive me if I get that wrong. But here's the gist of what I'm seeing. And what you guys are doing that's not working, which is good because now we know and you can address it. So class begins. You've got to set your scene at the last possible moment. That's the scene. And that and that is what gets you from good to great. You see, so my suggestion for you is when you're editing, write the scene long. okay? then take the last two lines of the scene and that's your scene and then season to taste. What does that mean? Well. If, if you're getting as far into the end of scene as possible, guess what's happening? You're hooking the reader right away because you've picked pretty much, you've taken the parsley out and the dill and the pepper flakes, and now you're stuck with the peas and a couple of pieces of corn, and now you can see it, right? But if there's nothing at stake, and I mean S-T-A-K-E, not S-T-E-K, S-T-E-A-K, although I'm getting hungry, then make potatoes. Make your B characters not only visually interesting, but also very, very much tied to coming into the scene at the end of the scene. So what does that mean? I'll get to that in a minute. If you listen to the way characters talk, most of your script really is going to spot. It's like cotton candy. The cotton candy is the screenplay. But the thing that holds the cotton candy, that little stick, that's the B story. It holds the whole thing together. Without the B story, you're not going to really have something driving all these other characters to one uh, to, to, to one end. Now, their ends do not have to be the same. But if you get towards the end of the scene and that becomes your scene, plus you have rivet, riveting B characters, your script's probably going to start to fire much more quickly than even you imagine. When in doubt, put out a prop. Producers, I've said this in the past, um, APs love props. They love doing it. Is your hero, is, is everything happening too easily for your hero? Well, get them up a, a tree and throw rocks at them. Okay, make sure you you know that you're every the great thing about aliens is not just the fact that even alien. It, it was a very plodding, slow. I loved it. But what made the, the story so good is that Ripley stayed one. Even though she was punched, she made a step. She was punched and she made a step. She never went backwards. Everything she did was forward momentum. She didn't she didn't second guess herself. Don't put characters on the page that have doubt. Because unless unless it's poignant, look it up if you're not sure what it means um, and pretend when you supersize it like this. Right. And you make your scene really, really long. And then you're going to cut the first two thirds of it, the first half of it, and then use the end of it to be your scene. Pretend that I'm paying you one hundred dollars a word to cut words. OK, Ryan's script was really good. 
But in the second pass, I said to him, now that you've got your story arc down and you're cleaning up a, a couple of key details, you got to get rid of some of this flowering language. It's just bogging down the narrative. It just does. People are in a hurry. Now, I must say, I've read some scripts that are very lengthy, but there are writers who can get away with that. Number one, the narrative tug is so strong, you can't stop reading it. Descendants is a perfect example. There's a lot of black on the page. It's fantastic. If you know what you're doing, you can get away with it. If you have credits, you can get away with it. But when you're starting out, lean is mean. It's best. Uh, but I digress. Um, I want you to turn off the literary head that you're wearing when you sit down and write craft a screenplay. Remember, screenplay is a blueprint, right? You're going to sit down and you build a house. You don't just throw paint on the lawn and rocks and trees. You got to start with your cement and then you got to put your sticks. Actually, before the cement, you have to have your wiring. That's your B story. Um, I just recently read a fantastic action guy, bang, bang, shoot him up script. Killer, killer by my client, Craig Clyde, who's had a really good week. Two options in one week. I mean, you just, you can't stop this guy. He's really on a roll. Uh, Long Shadow Woman, great feature. And, um, what was the other one? Uh, it'll come to me. Anyway, Gods of War is the script that he sent me. It had this sort of expendables kind of vibe, but not as, you know, flip. I'm going to read you the opening lines. And you're going to tell me why it's right. Ecuador. Green to the horizon. A verdant rolling blanket as far as the eye can see. A tight knot of men, black clad death machines armed with AK-47 under folder carbines. Disgorge from the undergrowth. Rebels. A pair of tense eyes sweep the area, give an all-clear signal to the leader just emerging from the rainforest. He is Diego Aria. Now, you have right there, that's the top five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines of the first page. And all of a sudden, guess what happened there? You know exactly what's going on and who's there. And almost no words. And what else do you notice? He didn't say the sun is setting on the horizon. Trees are blanketing the verdant rolling. He didn't get into all that. He put you in the scene as it's ending. That's what I mean by getting as late into scene as you possibly can. Tight, lean, crisp, nice and vivid. Really, really vivid, right? Off topic a little bit. In the how do you name your characters corner. Okay, I want to know how you guys name your characters. So put it on the thread and let me know what you do. I'm seeing some interesting names out there, and I want to know. It begged the question from my Simply Scripts gang. How do you decide on names for your characters? So I asked my some of my clients who had time to answer me. Robert Powers, he's uh, been optioned for laser bladers. He says he likes to know what the words actually mean, the names actually mean. Um, he was looking for some Arabic words that were tied to a screenplay he's doing, and he came up with a couple of good options that tie to the the lead character's personality beautifully. So he really does like to know what's behind it. And, and Jason kind of said the same thing. Jason Bort said, uh, names kind of go with the tone of the piece. That's what he does. But then if he doesn't find what he wants or can't think of what he wants, he goes to an etymology site and, you know, he'll poke around to see if something jumps out at him. <clears throat> so that's what uh, they said. I want to know what you have to say about, I mean, are you picking character names to get even with somebody in high school? Good. I like it. <laughs> Keep it up. That's good stuff. That makes me just chuff, darling. I can roll with that. That's very fun. Uh, in the theme corner, how do you get into this business? Writers ask me all the time. Well, as I've always said, the script can't be good. It's got to be great. Look, nobody's asking you to be great out of the box. You guys 
get my applause because you're all doing it right. You're sending me scripts. I'm telling you what's wrong with them and you're trying to fix them. That's huge. You should be standing up and giving yourselves applause. I'm not standing up right now. I'm sitting down, but I'm clapping. In my head, I'm standing up. It takes guts to do what you're doing. This isn't easy. Nothing about this is easy. Nobody said it was easy. But the truth is when you get right down to it, you can do it. And the reality is, so what if you don't? Are you living your life? Are you having fun? Are you enjoying your journey? That's why the artist way is so good. That's why sacred romance is so good. That's why I love the Bible because it's got Proverbs and Psalms. And I'm like, Lord, I'm absolutely sucking right now. I don't know how to pitch this movie. I don't know what to do. And lo and behold, it'll come to me how to pitch it. And if I can't pitch it, then I probably really don't care for it. But in truth, I've pitched, I've pitched a couple of screenplays that I haven't loved and they've both gone. So <clears throat> I guess it comes down to practice maybe. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Editing is easy, editing is fun, and rewriting is the best part of the whole thing. So what makes a screenplay good to great? Well, not just editing. Obviously, you've got to edit. But no cliches. I mean, if you see thick as a brick, rewrite it. you got to have super strong visuals. Is there a twist in the story? I just finished um, editing Full Moon Morning. We have a new title for it now. It's now called Autograph. If anybody wants to read it on the thread, I will send it to you privately. You're free to give me notes on it. Um, the script was missing, in my opinion, a hook, a marketable hook, and I think I found it. So if you want to read Autograph, let me know, and I'll send it out to you. It's not for circulation. It's only for you guys that are part of this community. Um, I like it. I actually am surprised as to how much I like it, and there are two twists in there that I completely forgot that we put in when we were doing the editing, and it came out really nice. Now, I haven't subjected it to a table read yet. I'm going to do that next. And the main reason why I haven't subjected it to a table read, there's no excuse really, but it's a bear to print out 100 pages times eight copies and sit down. And a, But I do have to organize it because this is going wide uh, actually next week. I'm going to put it on the grid. So do you have twists in your scripts? It, when you're following one of the main characters and he's got his left turn signal on, does he make a right turn? And is that particular surprise believable? If the answer is yes, you may have something there. So that's very good. If you think that this task is too big, I'm here to tell you it probably is, but you should have no fear. I mean, how do you how do you get past something that scares you? Well, most of the time you go through it. I'm, I'm asking you to ask yourselves when you're writing, what's in your heart that refuses to be silent? Where, where is that story in you that you're hunting that you have to write? Because a great story is going to attract A-listers. Now, when you're breaking in, indie is best. Writing small is good. Ryan Lee's doing it right. Why he's not sold is beyond me. But he's rolling the dice, and I'm helping him. My suspicion is he's not getting the traction he should because he doesn't have a publicity machine in place, and he's going to need that next, which means he's going to have to get a manager eventually to set up some meetings for him. But apart from that, apart from actually doing that, he's doing the writing correctly. And uh, InkTip is a great way to get your scripts out there. Obviously, simply scripts for feedback. You guys are terrific. You're also, by the way, I have to compliment all of you how gracious you are most of the time on the thread when you're talking about each other's work. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that um, most people, more people don't put more stuff on the thread because you guys are so good at this. Uh, that's why I think I want you guys to read Autograph and you'll tell me what's firing and what isn't. Now, Let's talk about page five, the, the theme for Blake Snyder's Beach Sheet, page 12. I go right to those guys, page one, page five, page 12. Those are my babies. I want to hear and see a theme on page five. I want to know what the promise of the premise is on page five. 
Got to know it. Got to know it. If it's not there, at the latest, it's got to be the top of page six. Why is that? Because you guys are new. You're starting. You're, you're, you're making your bones. It's best to do it with a teeny bit of formula. How about page 12? Is your inciting incident vivid, crisp? Um, the last one Ryan Lee just gave me, he's not going to mind that I'm talking about him, by the way, because most of this is complimentary. And if he does, oh, well. Uh, page 12, his inciting incident was good, but it wasn't rock solid. He, he's working on it. He's, he's jacked it up a bit. When he pitches, he pitches really well, and I pitch for him. One of the things I think that's important about pitching is that you don't pitch like a moron. Well, what does that mean, Barbara? I'm so glad you asked me that, kids. It's so great talking to you because you all pay attention. Don't send me a bound book that's a screenplay. Don't do that. It's terrible. I, I, I emailed the writer and I said, you know, this was very brave of you to do this to a WGA agent. And I'm not a big deal. I'm not touting my own stuff. But it was a big deal to do that. It took guts. I said, so you get my props for that. But you know what? I actually would have read it if the writing was good. You didn't edit it properly. You didn't set up the format properly. Use courier font if possible because that's really what most people read. Slowly, a few folks are moving over to Arial, but not me. And mostly other folks, they're still wrapped up in courier because it's a tradition. And it's a tradition, I think, worth preserving because it speaks to the typewriter and those guys that hunched over these screenplays, you know, just doing all that. Uh, in the fun and games corner of the beat sheet, probably... Um, I would say this month, check out Script Shadow once again, the master. Why do I want you to read about this? Oh, this is so good. He tells you what's wrong. <laughs> it's really kind of cool. It's it's one thing to hear about what to do right, but it's so cool to know what's wrong and why it's wrong. And the way he spoke about it was very respectful on the page, but he really did get kind of ornery in there. And I kind of liked it because it was, I mean, first of all, it wasn't something about one of my writers, so I wasn't upset. But, uh, you know, in the end, he, he, whether he's right or wrong, it's his opinion. And um, it's going to it's going to carry whatever weight it does as as far as it will. But he did get very specific in his comments about what was wrong. So definitely go to Script Shadow this month and read what he spoke about. The master. Now, he did speak about the film. But you get the gist of it. You'll see what I mean when you go check it all. It's huge help, y'all. I'm not, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. All right, so let's talk about packaging. So you guys know this from listening to the show and learning that mostly everything is packaged because a large, to a large extent, the studios have gotten out of development business. And that's mostly because of money. Now, some of the agencies like mine play that role. They package. I don't package much because I don't have directors as clients and actors as clients, but a lot of the other agencies do. They have a wide variety of clients to choose from. We're thinking about broadening that slightly, but uh, that's uh, down the road if we do do it. But when an agency gets a viable spec, meaning the big guys, they try to attach a director or a star from their in-house client list, and they cobble together you know, this package, and then they shop it to the studios to try and get uh, the financiers. Um, and that actually will increase the odds of selling the screenplay, to be honest, it, it, it because it'll double or triple their profits. It's a lower risk. It doesn't guarantee anything. But still, as you can imagine, the roll of the dice is, is jerry-rigged a little bit because, well, if you've got Tom Cruise starring in it, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get money thrown at it. Um, what I do is naked specs. I shop scripts without attachments. And they sell just not as much and in smaller quantities, which is why I, lo I love the indie market so much, which is really kind of broad. And it's um, kind of enjoyable. It, I don't have a lot of the same rules that uh, that the packaging folks have have uh, attached with them. But attachments really are king right now. So regardless of the business of it all, 
what I said in the beginning, what I always say is, when you have a great script, it holds true. You're probably going to get it sold. It's probably going to go somehow, some way. Again, what makes a story go from good to great? We're going to talk about the B story this month for Descendants. I'm going to be very brief about the B story. I want you, because I want you guys to read the script rather than now. Let me say this. If you saw the film, don't bother to read the script. If you didn't see the movie, read the script. Because the B story about the affair and who's letting go of what and why and what's holding on to who's holding on to what and why and how that matters is huge in this story. And they're tiny little things that are as wide as the Grand Canyon. Family and land. Um, if I had to say in this show, the bad guys close in, you guys might be thinking, oh, my God, I wanted to write that story and they took my idea. This sucks. And you have Dark Knight of the Soul. I'm not going to write. I refuse to write. I'm not going to write a damn thing. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. Then your false victory. <gasps> I just got a phone call from Babs. We have an option. Ah, But it is a false victory because options are hell. The victory happens when the check is cashed and the money is actually in your account and you get a writer's credit. And if you're living for that, good. That's a good dream to have. But don't make that your sole reason for existence because you know how I end the show. You know, live your life. If I had to get to the coffee and the dessert portion of the show, I'd probably say that when I lean back from a reading experience utterly satisfied and I think this is one great story, the first thing I think of is, I just hope I can find a buyer. And then I'll look out the window and the sun sets and the wine pours and I'm good to go. Even if I don't love the script, but I think it's marketable, I'm going to get behind it. Um, it's, it's rare that that happens. I will be candid with you. That doesn't happen to me often happily. Uh, I have a couple of writers that I've said to them, I can't, I, there's nothing I can do with the script. They're my clients and there's nothing I can do with the script and they'll try to fix it or whatever. That becomes, it, it's almost like trying to find a, uh, trying to find a ruby in a pile of mud. Very, very difficult. When I look at a screenplay, I go from page one to page 90 or 100, whatever it is. But of course, when I do the one five twelve, I do that because I'm just testing myself. I'm also testing the writer. I don't have to do that with Gods of War. I sent Gods of War over to Ryan Lee, and Ryan Lee said to me, oh, my God, this is really good. And he said, I just love the way he writes. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, he writes so briefly that you're pulled into the – you're dragged into the story very quickly. We, I got a couple of screenplays from you guys. All of the stories might have been terrific, but I wouldn't know it because you've got all of this description and somebody with suntan lotion and smoking a cigarette and sitting cross-legged. And I mean, come on. I want to get out of Dodge, you know, and I want to do this while we're young. So try not to. When I tell you to edit, really sit. I, I said to one of the writers that pitched me a script, I said, listen, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks for every word you cut. And he goes, really? I can get this down to 80 pages. I go, then get to it and hit me back. I am on the hunt for material. Guys, I need stories to sell. I need chicks with guns, light comedies, contained shoots, really fresh take on horror or ghost stories. 
I need great family fare. I'd love to stumble on the next blind side. What makes those things tick? What do they all have in common? They're great stories, right? You blind side is like great story. Usual suspects, great story. One shot, great story. You'll notice, however, having said that, that one shot still isn't out. Go figure. I think that uh, the buzz on it might be bad. I don't know. Maybe you guys can find some intel for, for me on that. When I sat down and I read Gods of War this time, I was unfamiliar with a lot of the things necessary to make good action happen. So a lot of the words I didn't understand. I had to look them up, like what these guns are, you know, the types of guns they are and that kind of thing. I found um, I found it very interesting that the, the differences in the guns that different soldiers use at different times and for different reasons. Different grenades do different things. Uh, it was slightly educational. It was a little tedious, but um, I had to do that so that I knew what I was talking about. But what was so neat about reading Guns of War, other than the fact that it was a great story with many surprises and a couple of unique twists that I didn't see coming, I could easily see it, cast it being cast. I could easily see it being shot. I could easily see it making money for my client, and I could easily see myself actually enjoying it. Which brings me to another script that's going to be very hard to sell, but I loved it. From the title to fade out, I was hooked. It's called Hindsight Boogie. Hindsight Boogie is a story about living your life every breath you take in full-blown regret mode. It's wild. And you don't even know it. And it's a very, uh, it's got hints of wild things and it's got hints of true romance in it. Beautifully crafted. Couple of arcs that I don't love. Not really, uh, they don't appeal to my Christian sensibility at all, but whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta, if I'm not, I'm nothing if I'm not flexible, right? I'm trying to be kids. I really am. I'm not compromising anything, by the way, but, um, the, the script is really quite good. You could easily see it cast. Um, it's going to be a hard sell because it's an indie, but and that that may be the one thing that makes it good because if a great director can get his hands on it, it'll probably go. Why? Because it's completely entertaining. It has all of this wonderful richness that actors love to do and love to say. It's really it's got a little bit of comedy. Don't forget too that in your dramas you've got to have a splash of a joke here and there. You got to have what they call gallows humor. Same thing with comedy. You got to have that kind of that kind, right? Did I say that? Comedy has to have a little bit of darkness somewhere in it. And then conversely, the drama has to have a joke or two. As I sit here today, I have one more script I have to read. I have to reread um, a script called Air. I think I'm waiting for edits on that from one of you guys sent me. I'm really excited about that. I need you guys to send me low-budget sci-fi if you have it. I will take it. I'll take a look at it. Remember, if it's overwritten, I'm going to put it down. If you're not sure, send it to me, and I'll, I'll actually do a fast edit for you on the first page. I did that for Ryan today, and he was very excited because he goes, oh, because I said to him, I'm so stupid sometimes. I said to him, you know, you got to fix your slug lines. you got to fix your slug lines. And he goes, I don't know how to fix the slug lines. What are you talking about? And I, so I did a copy and paste, and I showed him, and I rewrote the first page. He goes, Barbara, you mean action lines. I go, oh, duh, I haven't had my coffee yet. So, yeah, I meant the action lines. What I mean is if your action is wordy and verbose, it's going to bog down the narrative and slow down the reader. You want What you want them to do is jump into your world, don't you? I mean, isn't that what the whole point of getting the story out there is? Is that you're going, hey, psst, come here, come here. Let me tell you what happened. This is what's going on here. 
these guys are going to perform a very daring rescue in Ecuador. And you know what sucks about this? The guy who has to lead the charge may have to kill one of his own to be succeeding in this particular task. Now, that's irony. Okay. Does he do it? I ain't going to tell you. You got to see the movie. <laughs> um, this is Babs for Babs Buzz. Guys, you should like us on Facebook if possible. You need to send me your questions about editing. I will help you if possible. I have a lot going on this autumn, but I need your help. I need screenplays. I really do. Like I said, you know what I need. If you're not sure, ask Michael or shoot me an email. This week, I could really use a light comedy that's a contained shoot. If you have one, shoot it my way. I have two in the hopper right now. I think one's being shot. I will let you know when principal photography starts on Rhino. That's exciting. The script is terrific. I was actually kind of surprised that it sold for as little money as it did. And before I wrap up the show, I started to wrap it up, but I, I have something else to say. I think, Michael, you can remind me. I thought I sent this to you about what scripts go for. If you can find that somewhere in your archives, that what scripts actually do sell for. It's good to get a shot of reality. Pia said to me, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. She said, Babs, you should repeat that, or words to that effect. I can't remember exactly what she told me, but I think we were just conversing about what scripts actually sell for. And she said, Barbara, you know, she calls me Babs. She's very cute. She says, Babs, you know, people think one thing about the cost of a screenplay, and it's really quite different than what they think. And I hope to God that you guys have a, a more reality-based footing because you'll enjoy the process so much more. You'll really learn and earn your keep. You'll also know not to do certain things without an agent, like that business of that short that we posted. You never know. That could end up being quite a big picture, so thou shalt not do deals without an agent or at the very least a lawyer. And if you don't use me, I can refer you out. I want you to use me, by the way. Did I mention that? Um, me need shoes. So um, this is Babs for Babs Buzz. I'm sitting here with the lovely and beautiful Pippin, my lover boy. Say hi. No, you don't feel like barking? Okay. This is Babs for Babs Buzz. Michael Pippin's waving at you. Brett Martin Pippin's waving at you. And anybody else who's a dog lover, Pippin says hello to all of you. Thank you so much. Please keep those scripts coming. Please thank you for being so gracious when I tell you no and I pass. Keep writing. Make sure you always rewrite, edit your work. And don't forget, you've got to live, live, live your life. Peace.